Good morning, all. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Uh, Pastor Ben will be back next week, correct? This week. week, But he'll be teaching next week. All right. He'll be back this week, teaching next week. Unless, of course, we get a phone call and, Chris, you're teaching next week. So, yeah. Um, If you don't know me, my name's Bob. I'm one of the elders. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We'll be going through that. Um, It's funny, I was telling Ian this morning, uh, you guys uh, started playing the, the, the song Give by Third Day last week. And that's the song I was actually learning to play when I had my cancer diagnosis. So it's, it's quite meaningful to me. Um, yeah, I usually cry during sermon, not before. But it, he, Ian, you got me, so good on you. Um, you know, it's quite funny. I, I will take all that you have to give. And he gave me that, and it was wonderful. He, his strength is strong when I am weak. So it's, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. Um, you guys may not know this, but uh, the, Phil, uh, myself, and Ben, we meet on a weekly basis, and we, we pray for each other. We pray for all of you. Um, things that we know of and things we don't know of. We also go through um, books from time to time, and we'll discuss them. They're ministry books. Somebody might write something, and we'll, we'll sort of critique them and say, this is, this is quite good. We should look at something. And uh, there's one recently we've been going through. It's about uh, um, how the body ministers, you know, and it's really ministering outside the church. That, like what we do here, we meet for two hours. We have 168 hours in a week, I think. Um, so you got 166 hours outside of the church. That's where really that's where life takes place. That's where ministry takes place. And the the, the guy who wrote it said. Um, He said, I'll quote him, uh, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are already equipped for ministry. And uh, it's quite true. We just don't believe it. I mean, who does the ministry? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who actually does it. It's God who does it. And I started thinking in my personal life about the importance of faith and the importance of the Holy Spirit. And in my personal reading, I go through the Bible. I go through Genesis, through Revelation. When I get done with Revelation, I go to the back and I go forward. So I've just finished the Old Testament. I'm into the book of Matthew. And don't worry, I will talk about the importance of being in the scripture because I always do every time I am up here. And it just happens to be that the Bible actually tells me this. So I in kind tell you. But I talked about faith and some of the struggles that we have in life about faith. Um, Do I have enough faith is what people can struggle with. Or um, my faith isn't like that person's faith. And this is real things that people deal with. Or things like the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, We may think we need more. Uh, We may think that uh, we need all the answers to the questions before we go out and talk to people or share about things. Or maybe others are more equipped than I am. That's it's something that I deal with from time to time and sometimes more than others. Or even, you know, the spirit works better through that person than through me. You know? And so I just wanted to, at a start, just go to 1 Corinthians, just have a reminder before we get into Matthew uh, chapter 9. So 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Every one of us has the same Holy Spirit. He just works a little bit differently. All right. Verse 7 tells us this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation, the showing of the Spirit is given to every single person who believes. If you're a born-again Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit. And we need to be reminded of that. Next verse I'll take you through is the last verse of chapter 12. 
Paul tells us, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. We are to to desire the best gifts. Whatever you think the best gifts are. Because the best gifts to you might be something that I think is different. The best gifts, desire them. There's nothing wrong with that. And he says, I show you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is the next chapter. And it's the last verse. But now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is an expression of the Holy Spirit. God is love, John tells us. Love is so important and it can change the world. Just a reminder before we get into chapter nine. So let's go to Matthew chapter nine. So the book of Matthew, the first nine chapters, the first four talk about the person of the king. He introduces, Matthew introduces this person of the king. The next are called the Beatitudes. They're five through seven. It's the principles of the king. Jesus is just teaching the principles that he wants and expects. Not the the rules that you have to do, just the principles of life. And they're great. They're amazing. People were amazed that he could share this. And they were amazed that he showed them what it was like. And the next two chapters, chapters eight and chapter nine, are the power of the king. And in these chapters, you have 10 miracles. We're going to go to chapter nine, which is the ninth miracle, which is it focuses on an issue that every single person who lives has, and also the answer to that problem. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us every spiritual blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you are kind, that you are for us and not against us. We pray that you would open our eyes. Holy Spirit, come and teach us and lead us into truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. verse one and two of chapter nine of Matthew. So he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So in my Bible study and in my personal time, I ask questions when I read the Bible. They're quite easy. If you want to study simply, you just ask the questions, who, what, why, when, and how, or where. It it just starts to unravel things. Because sometimes you can read the Bible and just go through a whole thing and go, I have no idea what I even read. I won't ask for a show of hands who've gone through that experience, but I've done it, and I'm sure you have done it, okay? But when you ask these questions, so if you ever came to my study on a Wednesday night, I simply just sit there beforehand. I write out about 60, 70, 80 questions, and they all basically start with why, when, and sometimes I get a little bit deeper, you know? But so let's go through it. Verse one, where was he going? Where did he go? He went to his own city. He got to go where was his own city? Well, that was a town called Capernaum. And you'll learn that from other places in the scripture. Capernaum is a town on the seashore on the Sea of Galilee. Okay. And you go, okay, where's Galilee? There's another question. So if you looked in your map, you'd see on the southern part, there's Jerusalem. And up north, there's a big, huge area of water called the Sea of Galilee. And it makes sense that he got into a boat and crossed over and went to the seashore to a place called Capernaum. Okay. We'll also think that this happened quite quickly, but this account is actually given in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Mark actually tells us that he was there for a couple of days before this event happened. So you could imagine what was going on and people coming around. So he comes over. Verse two, we're introduced to a person. We don't even know his name. 
He's just called a paralytic. He's palsy. That means something's happened in his either his nerves or his muscles that stopped working. He's incapacitated. He can't move. Something's happened to him. So how bad was it? That was another question I might ask. And you can look at the scripture and go, well, he was so bad. They brought him lying on a bed. That's pretty bad. They didn't even carry him. They took him on the bed and carried the bed. And we don't know how much pain he was in or anything, but we know he's a paralytic. So the next question I would ask is who brought him? All this tells us is they brought him. But if you go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you look at the three accounts, four men, were they his friends? I'd probably say probably, they probably were. It would make sense that friends would take him, people that liked him. We don't even know how long he was in this condition. So what did they do? They brought him. There was some action. That's an action word. They brought him. They did something. We're going to find out this is actually faith. And I'm going to talk about faith a lot today. But they did something. Yeah. That's more than you will ever know. The things that you do are amazing. The things that we do, if we put it into action, God's like, I love that. Because faith accesses grace. It always does. And sometimes we go, where's God? Why isn't this happening? It's like, well, take a step of faith. Because God sits there going, I want to see faith. I, um, and not only that, he gives us the faith to do things. But that's when things open up. And it's scary as at times to take that step. But you take it and God's like, I am, now I'm meeting you. Now I'm walking with you. Now you're walking with me. Okay? So why do you think they did this? This is a question, because it doesn't tell us why in this scripture. But why do you think these four men brought this guy? Well, I think the obvious one would be, they thought Jesus could do something. And I think all of us in this room, if we're born again believers, we know Jesus can do things. We know it. It's simple as that. They believed that he could do something. I love that. They also probably love this man. They showed love. Why else would you do it? They cared for him. Now, Jesus, we know from the other accounts, was in Capernaum for a couple of days at least. So maybe these four men discussed this and had a plan and said, we got to do something. I like that too. We don't know. Let's look at the paralytic now. Did he even want to come? We don't know. Maybe he's like, well, everybody else is being healed. Take me. Or maybe he's like, don't take me. Because the mind thought of the day is that if you were a sinner or you had sinned badly enough that you were punished by physical infirmity. And if you don't believe that, even the disciples came to Jesus one day and said, they saw a blind man. They said to Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. But that's the mindset. And we too can get the mindset when things go wrong with us, that God's punishing us. It's like, no, not at all. So we need to go back to the Bible and find the truth. Because it's so easy in our minds to get caught up in what we think or what someone else thinks. But what does God think? And I'm sure if that's the mindset of the day, he probably sat there and said, oh, maybe I deserve this. Or maybe God doesn't love me. We don't know. But he was in a condition that was bad and maybe he felt unworthy. Or maybe he was guilty. He was guilt of his past or even his present of sin in his life. And that also can impact us. So even though we may be born again Christians, the past 
can stop us or maybe even sin in our present. Because we think sometimes, well, you know, I've come to become a, I've become a believer. All the other people seem to be, they've overcome sin. They don't have the struggles that I have. That's baloney. We all struggle with things. Okay. But guilt can paralyze us. But I love how Jesus responds to this whole thing. So the men here, they brought him to Jesus because Jesus can help. So what does Jesus do? Look at the scripture. The scripture tells us here that Jesus saw their faith. Unreal. That encourages me. All these guys would simply do is pick up someone and bring them to Jesus. Now this account just says they brought them. The other accounts tell us a little bit differently. The other accounts say there's so many people where he is that they went on the roof, opened the roof up and lowered him down. But this account doesn't tell us that this you go. Wow. That's extraordinary. This account does not tell us that this account tells us he brought him to Jesus. That's more than enough. That's more than enough. We can do that for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can do that for people we work with, the people in our neighborhoods, people in our families, bring them to Jesus. That blows me away. That encourages me that he saw their faith. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you guys are awesome. He doesn't even address them. He looks at the paralytic because of their faith. Think about this. The people who don't know the Lord are the people who are struggling in physical stuff. When we come to the Lord, the Lord sees these things. He sees it. And he responds. You know, I, I reckon these four guys didn't even realize, probably didn't even know they were exercising faith. They probably thought we're just bringing someone, but God thinks differently. So Jesus saw them better than they probably saw themselves. That encourages me because if you look at yourself, I don't know if I look at myself, I'm not impressed if I really look at my and the struggles, Jesus looks at me and says, I'm impressed with you because it's his work. Like even think about this. All of you are here on a Sunday morning. I'm blown away by that. That's exercising faith. God is doing a work in your life. If you would ask me, Gee, I've been a Christian for a while, maybe 30, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Bob, you're going to be in church and you're going to be actually sitting up front teaching the scripture. I would have laughed in your face. Uh, I, I probably would have done more than that. Uh, you guys, I'm, I'm so glad I grew up in the U.S. and not here. And you didn't know me. But you go, wow. But. It works and faith is important and we've all got it. Sometimes we struggle with faith. People are more. Let me share with you these things. Hebrews chapter two, because these are simple things that we forget. Hebrews chapter two, verse two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And you go, sometimes, do I have enough faith? Are you kidding me? Look at this scripture. Who is the one that started your faith? Jesus did. Who's the one that's writing your faith? He is. Who's the one that's going to finish it? He is. 
And you sit there going, that mind thought of maybe my faith isn't good enough. That's not God. That's us. Get rid of that nonsense. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. That, this, this is the stuff that blows me away. Because when you get back into truth, you're like, dang, God's really good. Okay, I'm really bad, but God's really good. It blows me away that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's his faith. He's the one who initiates this. Like you look at these four men. Jesus had been around the area. Then he's in the town for a couple days. It's Jesus who's working in their lives. They saw him. They saw him. Now we don't know what these guys, their background is, but they saw Jesus and they went, that guy, he can help me. He can help me. Turn in your Bibles to Zechariah. It's at the end of the Old Testament. And if you don't want to, you can just read it on the screen because I'm sure it's up behind me, right? Got it. I've been in this church long enough to figure out what's behind me. I hope nothing else is behind me. <laughs> Maybe a picture of Chris's granddaughter or something's up behind me. I have no idea what's going on. So, okay, Zechariah. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I love it. He's asking questions. He does the same thing I do. Just ask questions. What do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. One on the right of the bowl and the other on his left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? That's a great thing to say when you don't understand something. What are these? Don't assume that you're the only one who doesn't know what's going on. When you're reading scripture, or even when God's doing something, go to God and say, what is going on? And he'll say, you don't need to know. No, he's going to help you. Okay. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And he gives him the answer. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord. That is super important. It's not what he says. It's who actually says it first and foremost. This is the word of the Lord. So you can take that to the bank. This is what God says. Similar to Hebrews. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. You can take that to the bank. That's confidence. So here's the confidence. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Zerubbabel is a civic leader. His job is to organize people to rebuild the temple after being in Babylon for like ever 40, 70 years. So he goes back in a place, and how on earth do you do this? This is impossible. All right. And even Zechariah, who's a prophet, he's like, he gets this message. Hey, go tell him something. Go tell him something. So he gives a message. It's not by might. And might would be many. It's not by the many. It's not by the everybody around. It's not by power. It's not by individual. So you can't do this. And I love this too, because I sometimes think I need to do it. It's like, no. It's not by might. It's not by power. And here it is. It's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's by my spirit. God will do it. He can do it. I am so encouraged by this. It's the word of the Lord. And the word is so important. And here we go. I told you at the beginning, I'd be talking about the word of God. It is so important to be in the word of God to hear the word of God. Okay. That's pretty logical. 
You're here in church. You're hearing the word of the Lord. Now, some of us might struggle with actually being in the word every day. I, I mean, I just don't know everybody. I know there are times in my life I don't read for a couple of days. I've even had times where I've gone a week. You go, wait a second, Bob, you teach the Bible and you, you struggle at times to read? Yes, I do. But generally, I'm in it every day. And there's a reason why I need that. Because the word of God works in my life. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Logical. So the easiest thing to do is because I have a responsibility of God giving me faith, it doesn't just happen by osmosis. I have to be in his word. So if you are struggling, hey, I lead a Bible study on Wednesday. Martin and Ben share week by week. They go and they do Friday nights. Just coming in and hearing actually works. You have no idea how much God's word is so powerful. It blows me away about the times when I'm in the word. And for some reason, I think better. I act better. And when I'm out of it, not so. Not so. Don't let time go by. Be in the word of God. It's living and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And the message of Zechariah about God doing everything, it's reinforced in verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. It will get finished, and at the end of the day, they're all going to shout grace. And what is grace? God just pouring out blessings for no reason. You didn't deserve it. You, you can't earn it. It just happens because God loves to bless. And sure enough, history tells us, did the temple get built? Oh, yes, it did. And at the end, I'm sure it was shouts of grace, grace to it. It happened. Let's get back to Matthew. I'm only going to do like, uh, it's quite amazing. I, I thought to myself yesterday, I usually do like a chapter and I go on forever, but I'm only going to do... Um, what is it? Seven, eight verses, eight verses. We're only in verse two, by the way. So here we go. So verse two, what does Jesus do? He doesn't commend the men. He said, he spoke. The word of God speaking. Love it. And he still speaks today. He speaks through his word. He reinforces things. He speaks. Who does he speak to? He speaks to the paralytic. So you got lots of people. He's lowered down through a roof. And it's Jesus and the person. And I'm telling you today, he's going to speak to you. Don't worry about the people around. It's it's a, it's a focus. It's a two-person communication. And I'm sure when he looked at that paralytic, this paralytic couldn't care less about anything. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And that's when your life will change, when you start focusing more on him and less about the stuff around. So it's just the two of them. And look what he says. First, he calls him son. Boy, that's acceptance. He would have been blown away. Blown away at that. Then he says, be of good cheer. To me, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out when someone says, be of good cheer. We might say, hey, cheer up. Why? Because we're not. He would have been downtrodden and Jesus says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I'm here. Then he says the most amazing words that this man could ever hear. 
probably never in a million years dreamed this. He says to him, your sins are forgiven you. These four guys brought him in because he couldn't walk, because he was a paralytic. But Jesus deals with the most important problem of this man's life and his greatest need. His biggest problem was sin and his greatest need was forgiveness. Reminds me of the day that Jesus came into my life. It, it still blows me away that he would forgive me of all of my sin. And he showed up. Unreal. So I'm sure his friends were like, what? Your sins are forgiven you? That's not what we brought him in for. But his paralysis was bad. But having sin forever is way worse. And Jesus deals with it. The forgiveness of God. It's what every one who is on this earth needs. It was the word of God. And obviously Jesus having the spirit of God working together. And that's how God works. The word of God, the spirit of God, they work together. And wow, does it work well. Because he is good. Faith accesses grace. These guys exercise faith. They probably didn't even know it. But boy, did it access grace. And Jesus poured so much grace on them. And maybe sin, maybe at today, sin's got the better of you and you go, I can't come to God. God just says, I'll walk with you. He says to this, if you actually, uh, I, I, I paraphrase this whole thing. Son of be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus says, I will walk with you. I'm with you. That's powerful. That's super powerful. Don't ever think that he doesn't want to walk with you because he always wants to walk with you. And maybe you need, you've done things. You just need to come to him and say, Father, forgive me. Because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. He's really good. Verse 3. We got there. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. So you've got to ask the question, what the heck does that mean? Blasphemes. What is that? Well, if you actually went to Mark's account, they actually, uh, I actually read it. Why not? Backwards a little bit. Forwards a little bit. Even though I get confused. If you've got a Bible with Mark before Matthew, God bless you. That's, that's pretty impressive. I want to see that one. I'm sure a, a publisher can make that mistake. You hope not, but. So in Mark's account, they say, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So they blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And they're going like, what on earth? Who do you think you are doing that? Forgive sins. Only God can do that. But in verse 4, it tells us that Jesus could actually read their minds. He knew. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and he knows everybody's thoughts. That's why it's so cool about God. You don't think God's still working? Oh, he is totally working. He totally works in our lives. He totally works in every person's life. And you go, oh, this, this person will never, never come to the Lord. That's not God. God actually loves all people. His will is that none should perish. He knows all thoughts. Like I even think 30 years ago when I, when he came into my life, he knew, he knew. And then he started, no, he knew when he started, when he was making himself real to me, he knew that I would push against the goads. I would no, no. And then it was like, I just opened the floodgates and bang, it's over. 
It's over. It's finished. And wow, what a relief to be forgiven. That the guilt and the shame can be just, he's dealt with it. Awesome. So Jesus asked the question, why do you think evil in your thoughts? And he asked another question in verse five, for which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise and walk. So he asked some questions. Which is easier to say? What's easy to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to arise and walk? Well, if you look at it going, if you can say your sins are forgiven you, there's no proof in that. But if you're to tell someone who's sitting there in a wheelchair or a cripple and go, get up and walk, that's a hard thing to say because guess what's going to have to happen? They're going to have to get up and walk. You need proof. Think about it this way, a little bit differently. Which was easier for Jesus to do? Not to say, but to do. For to do, if he were to say to someone, your sins are forgiven you? That's totally different than get up and walk. For to Jesus to say, get up and walk, all he has to do is speak a word. That's easy for him. Our sins are forgiven. What did he have to do? He had to die on a cross. That was much harder for him to do. But in here it says, what's easier to say? And because it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you, he takes it to a different level. He doesn't even wait for them to answer his questions. Verse six through eight. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. He doesn't wait for an answer, but he's going to do something because he wants them. Look at what he does here. What tells us here in verse six, that you may know. He's talking to the Pharisees. He wants them to know. He's going to reveal truth. He wants people to know. So what does he do? I do have power to forgive men. I'm going to show you. You, you think it's blasphemy to me to say I'm God? Rise up and walk. And what happens? The guy gets up and walks. And he leaves. He goes home. You got to kind of think from a pharisaical point of view, pharisaical, that's a word. Yeah, I'll go with that. How can they say no to what he just did? But yet the heart was so hard to say no. But Jesus wanted them to know. Jesus could have just let, forget it. Well, no, but he deals with it. He, he wants to show people. And we do know there are some Pharisees who actually came to Jesus. The apostle Paul came to Jesus. You know, there's lots of these guys. They did come. You can't think, oh, they're all the same. Some did come because he wanted them to know. But he looks at the man and he says to the paralytic again, it's that focus. It's that just the two of them. He doesn't care about the, the, to imagine, put yourself in the, in the mindset of the, the paralytic. He had just been told your sins are forgiven you. He must've been thinking about that. We don't know the time frame. Here. It'll even say it's like 10 seconds. That would have blown him away that God said to him, your sins are forgiven you. Nothing else mattered. I know for me, when God came to my life, nothing else mattered. It was just like, oh my goodness, he's for real. He's forgiven me and he loves me. Unreal. Then he says to him, get up and walk. And this guy has no choice. It's just the two of them. And there's nothing better than spending that one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. 
That's when he speaks to your heart. That's when he makes an impact in your life. The time alone with him. He gets up and he walks. Unreal. Was it because of their faith that this man was healed? Yes and no. Scripture tells us three different ways in which God heals. He heals because of our own faith. If you turn to Matthew, well, we're still in Matthew, but my Bible is the next page. Gives us an example of someone who's healed because of their faith. Matthew 9, 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer. Why do you think he said be of good cheer? Because she wasn't. Daughter. Oh, so welcoming. Your faith has made you well. It was her faith that healed her. There's another example. Go back to Matthew chapter eight. Real quick. Somebody got healed because of someone else's faith, which is similar to what we're seeing here. Matthew chapter eight, verse eight, the centurion answered, and he had a sick, a very sick servant and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. For I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this. And he does that. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such, such great faith, not even in Israel. In verse 13, when Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let, you, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very hour. So there's two examples of One person's, their own faith, somebody else's faith. Not only that, Lazarus was healed from death and nobody had faith. His sisters were crying. Oh, why didn't you come, Jesus? They didn't sit there going, oh, now that you're here, he's going to be all good. No, nobody had faith and yet God did it. So there's three examples and you can't pinpoint one or the other. God knows, but faith accesses grace. I'm blown away at what he did in verse seven. He says, he arose and departed to his house. He didn't stay there. People weren't like, hey man, you're not only your sins are forgiven, you also got legs back. like, he can walk. Where does he go? Go home. Why? Because that's where his world is. He couldn't go anywhere. For, like, I don't know how long he's been a paralytic, but I can tell you one thing. You're not going anywhere unless someone brings you somewhere. So he's going back to where he is. He's going back to his world. And God sends us to our world. My world is my house. My world is my neighbors, my world is my workmates. That's my world. I don't live in your world. I don't live in your house. And you're probably thinking, thank God Bob doesn't live in your house. You know, but you have your own world. You have your own workmates. You have your own neighbors. That's where ministry is done. This guy, he now has faith. He now is forgiven. He can go. I was going to do the next bit because he calls Matthew and Matthew. I'll just do it quickly. Matthew is the, he's Levi. He's a tax collector. Everybody hates him. Everybody. The only friends he's got is the scoundrels. But as soon as he gets called, He goes and he brings it. He sets a party. Where does he go? He brings his world. He goes to his world. He brings in sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus goes and hangs out with them because that's his world. 
As soon as Matthew's called, bang, his life changed. He's got enough because God's given him it. And, you know, I'm blown away. But so for encouragement for, for us today, you have faith because God has given you faith. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. If anybody or yourself says you don't have enough, don't believe it. You have faith. And his faith is great. You also have the Holy Spirit. Because if you are a believer, if you are a born again Christian, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, scripture does tell us that we can become dry and we can be filled again and again and again and again. So I'll leave you with these last two things. Ephesians. Actually, turn. If you got a Bible, don't just read up here. I want you to go and read this for yourself. That's why I think it's very important to actually bring your Bibles to church. Because, you know, when I first became a Christian, it was very hard to figure out where scriptures were. Where's the book of Ephesians? Where's this book? Where's this book? Going left, right, center. I don't know. And by the time it's done, I found the book. The pastor's already taught the thing and I'm sitting there looking for it. So Ephesians is to the right of the book of Matthew. And again, it's like anything you do. The more you do it, the more you get used to it. Except for if you're like me and you wanted to find the book of Mark from the book of Matthew, I went left and I should have gone right. It happens. All right. But it's, it's like anything. You sit there going like, uh, I learned to play guitar three years ago. And at first you sit there going, how on earth do they do this? You got a G. And, he, and, I, and it took me forever to get the C. Like I could play it, but how do you switch from there? And now it's like, I've got it. Because you just practice, you do things. Same thing in the Bible, you just do it. And all of a sudden it becomes natural. And it's like, how do people hit a golf ball? Anybody here tried to hit a golf ball? And you go, what on earth is this? But you practice and after a while you realize, I can actually hit this thing. And every once in a while you hit it wrong. <laughs> actually more than once in a while. But if, at the better you get, because you practice, you put it into place. So we get Ephesians 5, 18. This is something you should memorize. Memorize. There are scriptures that you should know. 518. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. So when it says to be filled with the spirit, it's actually in the, the passive imperative. Okay. What does that mean? It actually, a better rendering is be continually be being filled with the Holy spirit. It means continual over and over and over again, be filled with the spirit. Okay. I actually went and looked up the passive imperative. And I, I thought this was the best way to get this. You are the receiver of something yet you're still responsible. Okay. So that means somebody else is giving you something which you receive, but there's still a responsibility on your behalf. And this is similar. Be filled. That means we have to do something. We should go to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. That's our responsibility and we'll receive from him. And sometimes we'll go, but I don't feel like I'm filled. Your feelings mean nothing. Sometimes you might feel, whoa. And sometimes you might feel, why did they even ask? But our feelings and our thoughts are wrong. Go with me now to the last one. It's something I taught Ian. I, sh I, I, I push this on Ian all the time. I just ask him the same question over and over again. And Ian gets it. You, Ian's not in here. He's probably listening out there though. 
when you go, hey, hey, Ian, how do you get the Holy Spirit? Watch. Guarantee you he's, he gives you the answer. Because I, I, I just asked him over and over and over again. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? Luke eleven thirteen. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's on us to ask how much more. So if you went to God and said, God, according to this scripture, I need the Holy Spirit. I need you to fill me. How much more will the heavenly father give him? He's not going to say, Chris, I don't, don't like what you're up to. He doesn't do that. He gives the Holy Spirit. Whether we feel it or whether we don't, he's given it. And you're like, for me, I'm amazed that sometimes I just sit there going, all of a sudden I'm in the scriptures again, or I'm thinking about God or I'm singing a song or I'm, whoa, where'd that come from? Or how about this one? I, I share this with you guys all the time. God doesn't speak to me. That's a struggle with everybody. And I tell you this because I'm sure every one of you gets this. You ever had this feeling and you go, open your Bible. You should go read your Bible. Anybody ever felt that? Raise a hand. You know, stop doing what, go read your Bible. Who do you think's telling you that? Who do you think is telling you that? Before I was a Christian for, I think I became a Christian at 28. I never, never thought to myself, open your Bible ever. And then I became a Christian. You know what I hear at times? Go open your Bible. He speaks. He still speaks today. We just need to realize it. You've got faith. You've got the spirit. You can impact your world as much as these guys did for this paralytic. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord, that you've given the spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you've filled us and that you keep filling us. And I pray today, if if anybody here, Lord, has never received you, that right now they would say, I am a sinner, Lord, forgive me. And they would hear these words, son, daughter, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And Lord, if anyone here is dry and been struggling and they need more of you, that they would simply ask, Father, I ask more of the Holy Spirit. Fill me and you will do that. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us, you would lead us, you would guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.